follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing well as well. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you, everybody, for being with us for this episode. We're going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one's going to go to uh, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code 4 Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast. Save 10% off your order. Our other shout-out goes over to Matt. Yeah, that'd be to uh, Orlando Cologne. Uh, I I think I mentioned this before, but I actually purchased an Orlando Cologne t-shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees. Sadly, there's not one on um, Collar and Elbow. But, they yeah. finally uh, they, he has actually Danhausen shirt. They they were like destroyed with um <laughs> with <laughs> with CM Punk's design and then I think it just it hasn't really recovered I, since then. I got a note. A lot of shirts being ordered. I got a note when mm-hmm. they ordered it when I ordered it that they were on like a three to four week delay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they well, I think we may have mentioned it on the show, but it's like that 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 shirt was so popular that they like nationwide. Well, there's like been supply chain issues a lot with a lot of people, but there was like a shortage of ringer tees. Yeah. <laughs> because processing tees was like buying as many as they could to big, to do the printing. But I think there was a delay. They, they actually, I just got an email from them that those are back in stock oh, wow. uh, for those who have not had one, but you know, what's in stock are a lot of Orlando Cologne t-shirts. Cool. Yeah. Actually, the thing I like the thing I like about pro wrestling, pro wrestling tees is that it's I think it's like made to order, so it's like they don't just have like a stack um, made. No, because I always order the inefficient. I always order the better cotton. I spend the extra like three or four dollars on the better cotton. Yeah, yeah, they they seem to be able to basically screen print something. Well, um, and they also have those thoughts. ones. They have like their you can get like the fuck ups. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like yeah. the logo slightly off and stuff, and they they heavily discount those. Mm. Oh, I hadn't seen that anywhere. I don't know where it is cool. on but, the site, but but you have to pay extra for the really um, nice cotton shirts, whereas Collar Nubbo, that's just your standard shirt. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The problem I have with Collar and Elbow is every time I buy a shirt there, like whatever I'm eating right out of the gate just ends up on my shirt and it makes me sad <laughs> like my that that king of wrestling one that the king of mm-hmm. sports one i got that i loved i i lost that one because i just repeatedly stained it i think mm-hmm. like I, I like we had spaghetti one night and it never ends up on me actually and i just like first bite i missed my mouth bam right on the middle of my shirt and it was there you know you remember that simpsons where <clears throat> homer's like leave the room and then you just hear the church bell, and it's all these people looking in Flanders like, wow, that's the loudest obscenity I've ever heard. <laughs> like, that's kind of what that was like for me. Okay. I know that uh, I was looking at ordering an Eddie Kingston shirt um, the other, you know, I think it was last week. And they were like, oh, you know, this has got the, do you want the, the, the quality cotton? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd like my shirt to be comfortable to wear. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a surcharge. I'm like, okay. But um, anyway, that is that that actually didn't segue for us because at long last we finally returned to the request that was brought to us. Brad, where are we? Uh, well, this isn't the request. This was just our project. The request is oh, coming. Oh, okay, now. sorry. 
Um, this is, we're finally getting to part two of the GWF TV title tournament. Actually, you lucky folks, we're probably going to rack off three of these, which sadly is not enough to get through the entire TV title tournament. Mm-hmm. That gets us past the halfway point. So yeah. this is, um, now I'm going to preface, preface this by saying, because I'm going to have some criticisms this week. I totally get that this is 1991, so the mentality is different. So please take that into consideration when I talk about some of my issues with this show, mm-hmm. because I have issues with this show. I think episode three that we're also, we're going to do next week. I had fewer problems with, mm-hmm. but episode two, I thought was a bad second outing for them. Overall. Oh, Oh yeah. 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 Because let's, let's start with my big criticism with this episode more than episode three and one. If you're doing a TV title tournament, you should not have jobbers in your TV title tournament. No, and absolutely not. not. Not obvious jobbers. <laughs> yeah, that's very... If you're having a tournament, why are you in, inviting bland, nobody jobbers into your tournament? doesn't make any sense. Because I think they do stuff with Terry Daniels later, even though he's, he's bland city. But, like, the hitman... <laughs> And Zebra Kid were obviously jobber of jobbers. Oh yeah, complete jobbers. And I, it's it's like a question mark. Like, why were they even in this? Yeah. Well, it's and, like, really they, frustrating. They and, weren't even like jobbers. Like, sorry to cut you off, Brad. They weren't even jobbers. Like you could say, like someone like in, the, in this. Well, the next episode we're gonna do like Jimmy James, where it's like he's a jobber, but at least like, he has like a look and personality. These are just literally their dudes in like black masks. Like they could be. They're not like even like the Dark Order has more like interesting mask and, and visual well, pre- the, presentation. The aggravating thing though is is the hitman was David Sierra the Cuban assassin. Like why didn't you just make him the Cuban assassin? Oh really? That was yeah. I, I was really the Cuban assassin. I made that. Yes. A, I wrote a joke about that in my notes. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, the thing that really uh, that frustrated like Zebra Kid is the perfect example for what frustrate. Zebra Kid um, is out there in uh, just a plain black mask, a plain black singlet, and plain black boots. This is the, hey, we need someone to fill a body. Has anybody got any extra stuff kind of gimmick? And he's um, he has no charisma under the mask at all. No. He's, he's got he, – now, on one hand, I, I understand – like you don't want to have – someone who's doing a gimmick like that, you don't want to have them – do a lot because they might forget and like put some of their signature spots in or something like that. Okay, fine. But why is that in a title tournament? It's the show itself. There's a whole segment. That's a recap from the, the previous show, like an entire segment. It was only like what? Three matches. It was four matches. It was the first four matches, four matches. Of the tur- Cause okay. because this tournament's really kind of set up stupidly where they did three brackets with like their very convoluted European rules um, tournament where like they're going to do the coin flip and then the two losers have to um, wrestle each other. And then the, the winner gets a buy into the final. Yeah. Their coin flip explanation was honestly too long. Yeah. Um, it broke some rules of wrestling. Yeah. It, it's too long. To, to make the point. And that's not. Well, it's dumb because it's dumb in the sense of wrestling, because then you have to have it's essentially you have to have the heel win. Except mm-hmm. I think Jerry Lynn wins the coin toss in the lightweight tournament. Cause we watched that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just it didn't work. And then, well, then they, they, they like, recap the whole segment with, like, Muck and Sing, like, pretty quickly after that. So, like, the first ten minutes of the show, I feel like almost eight minutes of it was recapping the first episode. Which, if you were watching this as it happened, this show went from Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday. So, this was the next day, and they were doing all this recapping. Yeah, like, recapping from the day before. And it's like, uh... And you could have done, you, but see, you didn't need to show the matches. You could have just done some graphics, which I know they had a low budget, but you could have just done some graphics and showed like the progression and talked about it briefly. Yeah. Or you could have just shown the finish, not yeah, like half did, the match. Yes. 
Like it was, it was, it, this was on the, the second episode we're going to talk about the next show, but it, it was like 10 minute section segments when you're doing like at least like a, a, like a fifth to a fourth of your show and just the recaps, it, it, come on. Like that's just egregious. And I know, yeah. I know this set them up to fail because they had to come out of the gate with no footage to like lean on. They had to fill like five hours a week of footage, but I mean, I think you could have done better. Yeah, it, it, that was that was really unnecessary. And you've got a whole bunch of guys on. You could have you could have had more promos. Like they had a, a few promos scattered here and there, but you could have had some more promos. Well, and that frustrated me because the promos, by and large, are good when they do. Promos. They're pretty good, yeah. So yeah, you could have just... you could have snuck Buddy Landell on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just having him promo and match the next one, like you could have thrown him out there. Like I would have liked to like maybe some fallout from like Jim Cornette and Stan Lane kind of having some problems with each other. Yeah, there's there's definitely more they could have done that wasn't just like, hey, you know, just grab some footage like there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that that was not a great start. Um and then we went into Terry Garvin versus Zebra Kid. Yeah, now Terry like Garvin see. is probably one of the top three workers of the promotion if you're talking pure work rate. Uh, mm-hmm. He and Eddie Gilbert later have like a pretty extended feud that's good. Um, I sadly I don't I think people know him more as like a podcaster now than they know him as like a wrestler. Um, you may be right. Because he was. Uh, I was a... reading. I was reading about um, Bart Batten being on his podcast uh, from a conversation from earlier today. But um, unfortunately, I think you may be right. But he's really good. I mean, even here, you could see he had talent. (laughs) His DDT was really good. Yeah, that was really good. The match itself is not like you can tell Garvin is good, but I don't think the match is because... The match is stall, stall some more, stall arm drag, roll to the outside, stall. Also, um, uh, I, I don't know if it was Hudson or the other guy, but they can't pronounce Louisville correctly. <laughs> no, it's not Louisville. It's Louisville. They're, they, the way they roll the L on it was really driving me nuts. Yeah, they, they, they did not. And that's It was all... like hearing Tom Brokaw try to say... L back in the day. Louisville. It's yeah. like, no, 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 no. Yeah, look, just just say, oddly enough, there was a big movie that got it right. If you ever saw Elizabethtown, Kirsten Dunst corrects Orlando Bloom to say Louisville correctly. I have seen that because my wife loves it. Don't judge. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's Louisville. That... If you live there... You have the right to tell people how to pronounce where you live. What drives me nuts when people do that, though, is haven't these savages, like, studied any French history and seen, like, King Louis or anything? Or even watched Jungle Book. It should give you a hint that maybe (laughs) there's another way to pronounce it that's closer to how it's meant to be pronounced. Doesn't matter. The people that live there, that's what they call Now, if you want me to really screw with you, in Kentucky, there are places that, and this is how they're pronounced, such as... Versailles, just okay. outside Lexington. It's not Versailles. It's spelled the same way, but it's Versailles. At least I understand that because yeah, there's but, history that screws with you. The people that say but, Versailles are probably wrong, though. There's a place just south of Lexington that looks like it's Athens, but it's Athens. Okay, that would drive me nuts because we have an Athens. Yeah. I, I know. I, I I don't get it, and I I still don't say it myself. But those people. Are I, I don't know if it's like supposed to be a to differentiate or what, but you know, it's maybe, Louisville guys. Maybe Just, they maybe the maybe like you know it was a bun, it was it was founded by a bunch of um moonshiners hiding from the revenueers, and they were too drunk to say it right, and it just stuck. Not not Nathan's. They weren't. There ain't enough. There ain't enough hills in Nathan's for that sort of stuff. <laughs> 
Trust me. It, like I said, just south of Lexington. Nope. There ain't that kind of space to hide there. But anyway, that's that 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 was like one of my big notes. From well, this I don't match get was, about this match. Is I get he was a jobber, but why didn't Zebra Kid just jump Terry Garvin, get a little heat on him? And then Garvin could do his thing in DDTM for the win. Like, that would have been much more entertaining than what we got. This is going to be, like, a really small quibble. But it's like, you're going to name a guy Zebra Kid, and he just comes out there like a black mask wearing oh, black. Oh, I was, it's I like, was very offended Like, by y'all that. couldn't have... I know it was, like, before that time. It's like, y'all couldn't have put him out there in, like, Zebra Trunks. Like, he no, could have come out there is, looking, this... looking like Zodiac. Nobody like, had extra Zebra Trucks in their bag. This is the fucking 90s. Like, you could have gone over to the local mall and found him something Zebra-y. <laughs> You could have yeah. gotten some Zubaz off the yes! grass. <laughs> but if you're gonna if you're gonna have him come out in that garb, like why did you have to call him like Zebra Kid? You could have called him like the Executioner or something dumb. Mister like X. That, yeah, Mister X. Like that. It said oh. it's like the Zebra Kid. What the, the hell? Eliminator. Is that? I wonder if it was. I wonder if it was a, a rib on somebody. It's like there ain't no way. There ain't no way they're gonna let us put this on TV. What are we gonna call you, Zebra Kid? And then whoever's in charge is like, fine, whatever. I it don't probably care. was a rib. Um, yeah. I remember, was Terry Garvey in, like, USWA? Um, he was in Continental, I think. Let's look at him here. He was in something else because I remember him. And I remember him from GWF. Um, but I remember him from something else, too, because for a while he was, like, Terry Sims. He and did. He... FMW was Terry Sims. Okay. There was, during one of these, one of his, like, promotions that he was in, he was almost, like, he kind becomes of like an, Terry Sims in GWF. Oh, okay. So I, he's probably Terry Garvin and became Terry Sims, but I remember... Oh, he did USWA it, in 91 before this for... Is this Texas? Okay. No, this is Memphis. So he did it, but he was Terry Garvin there. Let's see if he wrestled anyone good. There was... There was... was one of his oh, he wrestled territories... Jeff Jarrett, was, I bet that's good. Oh, he, he, um, he beat Chris Champion and lost to Jeff Jarrett in a title tournament. Hmm. And he was involved with a match. It was um, it had Brian Christopher and Danny Davis in it. Who's Tony Williams? I think he did like almost like an effeminate type of character for a bit. You could see it a um, bit here. You could see it a bit here because they cause he was in a tag team called Beauty and the Beast, and I don't remember who the Beast was. And I think he was more effeminate for that. Like, yeah. Um. But he he's definitely kind of like this is gonna sound bad, but like pushing it up where he became more like a serious yeah. guy versus like a effeminate almost comedy character. I just had a link um, to our chat. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2018. Yeah, he was relatively young when he passed away. He was about 55. Mm-hmm. Um. That's a shame. I liked him. I remember him from this. This is obviously our first exposure so far in GWF to him. Uh, but I did remember him in GWF. He actually became one of their main talents, and I thought he was pretty good. I liked I liked watching him. So it was kind of like a nostalgia to see him in this match. Um, Speaking so I of, um, I I was reading about Buddy Landell today because he died mm-hmm. a couple years ago too. Well, about five years now. He his yeah. death is awful because he was in a car wreck and he yeah. was hospitalized and he checked himself out against doctor's wishes and like they his wife found him dead the next day. So like I don't I don't mean this to be sad. It's just knowing his life, it's like, damn dude, like you like you were a fuck up your whole life and then you died like that. That's just like so sad. Especially especially if he could have just held on, like and gotten in a little better shape and like just held on and been good. Like he could have been so good in AEW, like as a manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Cause yeah, you know, you he, know... Was a, he was always a really good talker. Yeah. What were you going to say, Brian? I was a, could you just imagine him being a hype guy for someone in AEW and just like maybe even putting him with like the ascended or something. Hmm. Because we, we were talking, I was talking about that with you guys. I think we talked about it on the first episode where, um, and you'll see it later, but like Landell is essentially bulletproof where you could probably job him almost all the time. And he is such an obnoxious dick that he could get his heat back instantaneously. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. You probably could. So this was not good. Then we go to um. Next up, we get Muck and Sing versus Private Terry Daniels. We have to remember he has a rank. <laughs> I, I don't understand the why because it, it doesn't seem to figure into like his gear at all. No. So this wasn't terrible. I thought Muck and Sing was okay, but I thought it was too long. Uh, where, where's my note here? Um, yeah, yeah, it just kind of drags. This was too long, um, but I did, I did think it was a good and effective squash because it did make Muck and Sing look really, like, just badass. But it also, I thought that Terry Daniels did a good job with his selling. And mm-hmm. he did something which a lot of, I feel like you don't see as much with 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 job guys now but he would show he would occasionally show fire where he would try to to come, make a comeback the babyface comeback mm-hmm. and then mockinson would just like you know it stop that in his tracks and yeah he would the terry daniels would sell it like like he's just been brutalized like uh but it, it was really really good like there was i think there was one spot uh, I forget what it was, but he like either he ducked under Mock and Sing or he did like a leapfrog or something where he like he he avoided Mock and Sing's move, and Mock and just like saw that and it just ran up and clotheslined the shit out of him. And it's like that's that's that was smart. That was a smart move by the heel because it mm-hmm. shows that he was like kind of he saw that it didn't work and he was anticipating what to do next and he did it. And it also gave the jobber a little babyface shine. But also, like he he did his job, and that he he was there to be beaten up by the heel. And I thought yeah. it was I liked it. I like I liked the squash. I thought it was pretty effective. It did go a little longer than it should have, especially when you have someone like Mockin Singh, who is you know much much he's probably the biggest guy on the roster. I love that they um we saw this several episodes back, uh, but I love that they replayed the Mockin Singh promo. Oh, where yeah. Joe Pettacino is like, but, but Norman, like the te- teddy bears, there must be a hundred people here with teddy bears. And he's like, that, that, <laughs> it's like, yeah, a hundred. That's like the, the collective IQ of the people in the stand. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like trashing kids, yeah. but not in a way that's like offensive, but he's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so happy. Like, I don't have kids running up to me and wiping their snotty noses on my pants leg. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's like he's being a heel and he's actually cutting like a really, really good promo that's actually funny, but it's not, it's not crossing boundaries. So one, I liked it. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. good. And one thing I also really liked in this was the fact that um, on the, uh, on the commentary, they made the point of talking about um, it's like part of the reason that he was doing the Norman bit was to get his mm-hmm. visa. So once he once he had gotten his visa, he, he felt free enough to. It was part of that's why he's doing the Norman bit. So everybody loved him. They didn't want to get rid of rid of him. And then he does the uh, he does the gimmick change after that's done. So it's like mm-hmm. you ain't getting rid of me now. So they also do a second promo with him and Rip Rogers where they kind of start the cartel bit, start mm-hmm. talking about the boss that has um ends up having a bad payoff because um I think even Meltzer called it back at the time. He's like, This is all good unless it's um unless it's Skandar Akbar and then it's Skandar <laughs> Akbar. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And but what? so can I, was can it I again? stop you, Brad? Was was it supposed to ever be somebody different? And then that's like, like I don't remember. Like, I, there's a, there, so for their Patreon, David Bixen span and Chris Zellner did like a 12 hour mm-hmm. thing on the GWF. And I think they might've talked about it on that. Well, they go into, because the thing you have to remember is this all like has the proto Nigerian scammer bit that leads yeah. way like into this. And mm-hmm. um, they, they, they do a lot of stuff on that. And they even find, I think, the scammer like in his current um residence oh wow um in atlanta so um they kind of go into that because people actually don't quite know what happened like Mm -hmm. when it fell apart 
like no one quite knows it's it's a kind of still a mystery like it's well documented up to a point and then like they all disappear for like four months and then it comes back without the kongi sports thing attached and <clears throat> far less money mm-hmm. but you know it, it ended up being real we just that just didn't happen back in those days right right that that was not a wide widely known thing yeah and so um i don't know i think something might have fallen through but it's hard to say and then um rip actually is fairly entertaining in this okay i think too um because then they get like cactus jack i think um eddie gilbert joins eventually Mm mm-hmm because I know, I know Muck and Singh and Cactus Jack are in the tag title tournament as a tag team. Yeah. It's it's really just kind of a footnote, I think, in Foley's first book. So I don't remember a whole lot from that. I don't but, think he uh, was there very long. The thing people have to remember about the GWF is there are a lot of episodes from this early stuff, but it was only from about like five months worth of TV. But, you know, they were doing it daily, so you rack up a lot of... Right. A lot of content real quick. Yeah, yeah. So, so then, um the after the after the the muckins oh, we did miss something. There was another Bully Busiek interview. Oh yeah, this one was <laughs> yes. you know, I was thinking watching this, um, his match wasn't great. I was thinking though when he was cutting his promo, I'm like, you know, like I was running a prom- promotion back then, I think I could you could build around big bully busick with a manager. He he did all right on his own, but but they're like it, you look like Mario, and he's like I don't know who this Mario is. Like, is this a Nintendo commercial? Yeah, I love the fact that he played dumb to say I don't know who Mario is, but then immediately got mad about the reference because you know that just makes him seem a little bit more despicable. Well, and he wasn't smoking. Pedicino's kind of being a a jerk face there. Yeah, the Global Dome is a non-smoking facility. Yeah. And he should have been like, uh, I just like the taste. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they spent more time on that than uh, we'll come back to Bullet Busick in the next episode. Yeah, I and think. then they also had a fan question, which was asking uh, Jeff Gaylord, also known as the Incredible Hulk in his stripping days. <laughs> There's actually it's, it's actually a good episode, <laughs> but Crime and Sports is a podcast and they have a Jeff Gaylord episode because if you don't know, Jeff Gaylord likes to rob banks. <laughs> <laughs> what was it you said about he, he he likes? He robbed the same bank twice. So he robbed it for five thousand dollars. He came back a month later and robbed it again. And this time, because you know he just robbed them, they had the foresight to write his license plate down. Right. And then he got out of jail and robbed a different bank and went back <laughs> to jail. So the thing that gets me. First of all, this this little question section that they do, they're doing it with a kid who very clearly doesn't want to be there and doesn't care about doing it. And their question is for Jeff Gaylord, do you hold any records outside of wrestling? And it's like, okay, you got a kid to ask. Seriously? You know what I don't get is um the first one. I would have switched the question asks the yeah. question askers. I would have had the older gentleman from the first episode that asked the heart punch question. I would have given him the 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 collegiate records mm-hmm. question. I would have given the kid the heart punch question because those were more appropriate to the um the person asking them. Yeah. Well, and they come back and ask ask about it later. And the thing that gets me is when Jeff Gaylord starts talking about it, he's like, I think he said, no, I had a bench press record from when I was in the, the big eight. Was it the big eight? Is that what he I think that's what yeah, he that, said. That would have been like, like, um, that would have been a prototype for the pac 12, I think. Okay. He's like, no, I was, uh, you know, I had a bench press record in the big eight and then, um, the uh, you know, and then I was like, yeah, and, and you know, I, I had a school district record for a little while, and then I had the, the my fraternity's record for the most hot dogs eaten or something like. Like they just it started out as like, uh, yeah, bench press record for for my conference, and okay. then it just got less and less impressive. And I'm like, 
I I guess they're trying to like be like, no, this guy's like done stuff, but it's like I really wish you'd done that with some. Okay, Wait. so so the big eight was uh, at this point would have been the University of Colorado, Iowa State University, University of Kansas, Kansas State University, University of Missouri, University of Nebraska, University of Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State University. Okay. I guess those are some pretty good football schools. It existed until 1996. Did they get, what, like split up and absorbed by like the SEC and stuff then? No, they became, they became like the kind of backbone of the Big 12. Okay. Except Colorado that, I don't remember where Colorado went after. No, they might have been Big 12 for a while. Yeah, they all left for the Big 12. Okay. Because then they would have added Texas and, like, Texas A&M. And mm-hmm. then um, Kansas – well, no, was Kansas State in there? Yeah, Kansas yeah. State was already in there. But, uh, you know, it, it's like, come on, man. We can – surely to God we can we could do something more than – than that but here we are so i i guess it was an effort to try and find a way to get uh jeff gaylord over more but uh, it, it didn't it fell flat to me well he played like he played for missouri football and then um he he um played for the boston and new orleans breakers and the usfl and he got Drafted by, I think, the Los Angeles Rams, but got cut in training camp. So, I mean, there's ob- he's obviously got talent as a football player. Right. And then he got he got arrested for indecent exposure because some woman ran on stage. and uh, This is according to him in his stripping days yeah. and pulled his G-string out and he got arrested because, you know, <laughs> the little Hulk came out. Yeah, that's um, I don't know that uh, that sounds uh, a little suspect. His but, you quote, know, his quote about it's hilarious. Cause he's like, "Well, I decided to give it a try, so I painted myself green and called myself the Incredible Hulk." <laughs> oh God! But I mean, Jeff Gaylord, uh, as far as wrestling goes, was I would say a decent regional guy he he did stuff in the uswa he was um the black knight on Shawn michaels uh survivor series team in 93 Hmm. i think that's his old wwf appearance uh i remember him from uswa and i actually i hadn't seen a ton of uswa but i kind of liked him he was presented as like a kind of like a big deal or a guy to watch Nothing really panned out, it seemed. No, he couldn't talk well. Mm. So then we have uh, Conan Chris Walker against Doug Summers. Um, this I would give Doug Summers MVP for this episode because he looked really good here. <laughs> Doug Summers put in a lot of work. That's my polite way of saying that he put Chris Walker on his back and just carried him. Because... Um, I, I do not I, I do not like uh, uh, Chris Walker here at all. No, no. It, he's a, he was not. Gonna... He's a stiff. <laughs> he's he's another one of those people who showed up, and he's got he's got the muscles. Because that's for some reason. I, in a case like this, I think it's funny to mispronounce the word, but he's got the muscles, and that's really it. Because all that Chris Walker does in this match is uh he's a stiff he grabs headlock he works a headlock he summers beats him up and then he kind of falls off the top turnbuckle into what's supposed to be a cross body like that's it and uh no yeah you know yeah i'm uh, honestly i'm tired i'm sick and tired of, of 
no matter when I see what era I see this happen in, it annoys me intensely because it's like, okay, this guy's got a great look. Could you get him to like, like learn some stuff before you just throw him on TV, please? He was pretty green. He's only like two years in at this point, and he gets a WWE gig like two months after this. Well, he he was two years in, and all he did was snatch a headlock and do a flopping crossbody. <sighs> that headlock. He worked that headlock for a long time. <laughs> he did. I mean, honestly, I checked like, my I, email while he worked the headlock. Yeah, I've I've never stepped foot in a wrestling ring as a competitor like you, Shad. I'm pretty sure that you and I could have a match tomorrow that would be better than a, any like Chris Walker match. And I I promise you, I wouldn't need to work the headlock more than, well, <laughs> more I mean, than like a few well, seconds. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure. You, you or I could at least do like the basic rope run where, you know, Shad comes off the rope, shoulder blocks us, you know, stuff like that. You could probably sell too. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, it, it would not be. It, uh, Chris Walker was um, the phrase I'm looking for here. He's a half star better than the Irish assassin in my book. Like, no, well, no, he I was would, more mobile. That's I would, not fair. He could Chris Walker at least felt like a confident pro wrestler. Like he wasn't good, but like the Irish assassin was incompetent, like completely. <laughs> he didn't look oh, like yeah. he didn't look like he belonged at all. So that's not that you're right. That's not fair of me to say. Like I but feel like was... I feel like I feel like I mean Doug Summers I think did okay, but I think a really game opponent could probably get something okay out of chris walker and i think some people actually do down the road that's pretty impressive but it was the doug summer show and sadly he i don't think he works anything past this no he has that that feel of a guy that they're just bringing in to put over another guy uh, which is a shame because he was he was in the AWA, so he had a name, and he's a very competent worker. And he was mm-hmm. a Portland guy, too. Yeah. He's like one of those... He is like one of those territory guys that, you know, didn't have, like, super mainstream exposure, but you watch him, and he's just super confident in everything and, like, just mm-hmm. does it all decently well. Yeah, he was a good hand. And, uh, no, he didn't have Chris Walker's look. Um, but you know, he, I would far rather see Doug Summers out there, maybe with some different gear because the boots and tights look wasn't exactly the best thing for him, but I would far rather have Doug Summers in the ring. How old was he here? Let's see. He was 65 in 2017. Uh, I say he wouldn't have been, he would have just been in his late thirties. Yeah, look, at that point, if you've, if you've got some weight on your midsection, put a singlet on. Yeah. You know, it's – it's. Uh, I, I wore a singlet with long pants partially because I didn't know it at the time, but I have a thyroid issue, so I couldn't get weight to come off even when I was in good shape. But I would, I would wear a singlet with long pants because it kind of gave this, like, top-down unified look and – Plus, there's stuff you can do with that. You know, the Kurt Angle pull down the straps thing and stuff like that. Like, there, there's lots you can do with that. But uh, I mean, look at AEW. Look at Eddie Kingston. It's like yeah. you got a you got a paunch. Just do that. Just do the singlet, where at least like the your you know your your spare tire is like contained. Yeah. And, and people people are realistic. It's like people have different body types. Like there are body yeah. there are body guys out there, but. It, it can work like it actually can work it works with kingston it can work with the people and it's it's kind of a novelty again because wwb mm-hmm. like does not use those people mm-hmm. and it, it helps it's a shame because it the helps tough, some of the toughest guys you meet that you know get in real fights they don't look like bodybuilders they yeah. don't look like runners and it's dumb they've in, got it's, some meat on their bones it's dumb in the age of ufc where we see plenty of guys in the ufc that are successful that are sloppy as hell. Like they've got love handles hanging over their trunks and stuff. And then they go and they knock a guy out in one punch. Like we've seen that. Yep. 
Big Country, right? Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? Dana White hated Big Country because he looked like that. Yeah. Like, you know, we've seen plenty of guys in UFC that got the man tits, like, you know, they've got their their appendix scar, and then they're just knocking dudes out yeah. or, like, subbing them. Like, like, you know, you can, you can do that now again because people have seen, like, oh, those guys are tough. Yeah. Well, it's like Dan Severin didn't ever have to try and compare as closely. Like, Ken Shamrock had UFC stuff, and he had, like, the body look. Dan Severin didn't have the same body look, but there's no way you would think to mess with Dan Severin. Yeah. Like, no, he didn't have abs or, or definition, but the dudes, you weren't going to mess with him. Or even Fedor in his, like, heyday was never a body guy. Right. But here we are. So, yeah, yeah throw if, if, if for some reason you're out there and that's something you're struggling with, then, you know, throw a singlet on and it'll be fine. Yeah, I, I like to. I like the idea of uh, combining singlets with other stuff, not just a singlet itself, uh, unless it's part of your. Like, there was a guy that I worked with who, for the longest time, he was a, a shirt and pants kind of guy, and what he would do is what he did was he started this like tone deaf ladies man gimmick because he was a heavy dude, but he was big, so he was real strong. And but and so he started doing this, like acting like a ladies man, but being tone, like hitting on an interviewer while he's eating a cheeseburger kind of stuff. And when he is <laughs> <laughs> a great spot. Or, yeah. Or do the Icarus he, thing. He changed from... his gear. He changed his gear going out to the ring to where it was just one singlet. And at first he was super self-conscious about it. It's like, dude, lean in. This is what the gimmick is. Go with it. And it worked. Or do the do the Icarus thing in Chikara where he. He had an awful back tattoo, so he would come out, and he'd use it for heel heat, so he'd come out, and he'd come out with, like, a, a zip-down, sh- like, jacket on, and he'd start the match, and he'd, like, slowly, like, start unzipping his shirt, and the crowd would be like, no! And then he'd finally, like, <laughs> take it off. Like, if you're a fat guy, do the same thing. Like, just wear wear tights and no shirt and then like train the crowd so, like, you slowly unveil your awful body and just get the crowd to scream no at you for heat. You can wear a compression shirt too. I mean, if it if it fits the look, it's fine. That you don't have. It, not everybody, you know, has to conform to the WWE look, and so don't. If you're out there wrestling, find what works for you because, you know, that people you know bitch and moan about Orange Cassidy, but he's over like crazy. It, find what works and, and do it. And you're in a wrestling crowd. Like even if you're a fat fuck, you're probably still a Greek Adonis compared to like seventy five percent of the crowd. It uh, what'll happen a lot is people will love the guy they identify with. And so if you got a little extra weight on you, but you're scrappy, then people are gonna they're gonna get behind you. And if they're not then just become a heel, become an absolute utter prick of a heel, and people are going to hate you. Why? Because, first of all, if you're if you're a really despicable heel, and then they're going to be like, you don't even look like he should be there. Just steer into it and go with it. But, yeah, look, Summers, I, I, Summers, I think he just needed a gear change, and it would have benefited him a lot. Yeah. But, you know. Fun side anyway. note, because it involves Texas, but I was watching their Kishi shoot because – um. Um, oh crap! I can't think of his name. Who was who was um who was the freebird that wasn't Hazer Gordy? Buddy um Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts, okay. yeah. He was talking about like traveling with Buddy Roberts and just hanging out with the freebirds when they were coming up and what animals they were. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we were just fresh out. And we were like these marks for the freebirds. And like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, Buddy Roberts would be walking around like chewing his tobacco and drinking like. Whiskey and be like, yeah, I'm a real freebird. And he'd be like, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Terry Gordy, for God's sake. Nobody would look at Terry Gordy and think like, oh, he shouldn't be a wrestler. I mean, the guy didn't have definition, but the dude was – He was big. You wouldn't want to mess with him. It's insane if you look at like early freebird stuff and you realize like him and Hayes – like Hayes is like 20 and he's like 18 years old and he's doing all this like – crazy stuff and he's already good yeah some people just got it man 
like even X Pac, like when we when we watched his stuff and he was like a year in and he's like twenty one. It was really impressive. He's he's a year in and he's already that good. It's really impressive. Um. Okay, so the next match on the card was Rip Rogers versus the Hitman. Uh, and Rip I, made this without, fun. He did well without knowing. As Brad told me earlier, without knowing this, I made a joke that the Hitman's the cousin of the Cuban assassin. <laughs> I, I can send you. I'll I'll send you guys a picture of my notes. It's right there. But I didn't. And then they started talking about Rip Rogers being like the bodybuilding he got into, and they're like, "Oh, the Southern Kentucky bodybuilding scene. What's that? Just Rip Rogers and Denny Crum?" And I was like, "Did Scott Hudson just drop a Denny Crum? What bizarre world am I? Because he used to coach UK basketball." And I'm like. What bizarre world have I stumbled into on this commentary? What's going on here? There's a great um, Smoky Mountain angle with Rip Rogers in the early days where he he's like, I'm going to do like I'm going to do squats on off this on this chair for like the whole episode. So he's just in the background the whole time. And then he pisses Tim Horner off like right at the end and Horner like kicks the chair out from under him. And that like kicks off a whole feud to where the best part is, um, they do this like big battle royal with like a check on the line and Tim Horner like eliminates him to win. And then Rogers like beats the shit out of him, tears the check out and stuffs it in his mouth. At um, the end. Guys, I, I have to, I have to backtrack here because uh, I misspoke. Denny Crum was not a UK coach. He was coach at Louisville oh. from 71 to 01. And um, that's the kind of mistake that might get me stabbed. So, my apologies. I misspoke. Don't kill me. Um, Rip's a fun um, Twitter follow, too. Okay. Yeah, Rip was fun in this. He put a lot of work into it. He's a good uh, trainer, was... too. Um, everyone was, like, absolutely over the moon about Pat McAfee. Uh, Rip Rogers trained him. Yeah. Um, the... The thing that uh, there's a spot in here that I really enjoyed that what the commentary did for it is Rip did a, a flying axe handle from the top to the outside on the hitman. And Scott Hudson didn't try and say he jumped from 15 feet in the air. So he didn't like Vince McMahon. It. He said from given that Rip Rogers stands about this tall. The post is about this tall, and he put his arms over his head to drop down from the for the axe handle. That's a strike that's coming from like 15 feet in the air right down across the back of your neck. And I was like, that was actually kind of brilliant in terms of Hudson's part. You know, selling – what were you going to say, Matt? I'm I sorry. Just, I was going to agree with you. Like that was actually an impressive spot for, for just being almost like a throwaway move in the middle of the match. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Like, I mean, because he didn't just come down inside the ring. He came from all of from like, like the top and all the way to like the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And in the and in, in Hudson selling it that way, I was just like, I really like that. That's really that's really good stuff. They, he does a really good job. He and Craig actually do a really good job. Like when they when we get to next week and they do the um the Adrian Street Axel Rotten match match, they actually do a really good job of like fleshing out Axel Rotten like as a character. Maybe we ought to use a different term because Axel Rotten's plenty fleshed out. Well, no, he. he but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, he has a promo that we end the episode on that I, I hate. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they do they they do a good job of like filling in some gaps, talking about guys like they really get everyone over pretty well. Mm-hmm. And you know, they um, actually talk about other promotions and other championships, which really helps you make guys seem important. That was a pretty novel thing at the time, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, at Towards the end of the match, I really got a kick out of the fact that Rogers was kind of playing the stooge on a whole bunch of pinfall attempts. Like, he was the one who was getting pinned over and over and over again and just, like, getting his way out. Like, that's not what I would have expected for someone going up against the hitman the, the commentary also made sly remarks about some hitman who was from up north but going up against another mass jobber gimmick is i would not have expected that like that's that's what he 
Rogers chose to make it look like he would lose to keep to get the heat up on it. That's well, and you know, um, I like that. He's a he's a really good worker there. Remember that that random raw we did where he wrestled um, Adam Bomb and like made him look mm-hmm. like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, I'm just saying it was, it was it was impressive to see that there at the end. He's probably I mean like I would say I would say of the workers we've seen. He's probably Terry Garvin is probably the best, and he's probably the second or third best worker we've seen thus far. Uh-huh. I think that um, that Rogers was better on this show. Yeah, probably had more to work with. But I mean, he's like a top. I mean, he's probably like one of the best workers of the early days. He's up there. Mm. I mean, like you'll get Jerry Lynn and Lightning Kid, which will push him down a little bit, but he stays pretty high on the the work list. Yeah. So the only the gripe that I have about this match is that it's the second DDT finish on the show. Oh like, yeah, I, I I noted that too, and I it bothered me. Yeah. You guys, there was a scene in the uh, in the wrestler that I like that I really like when they're in the locker room talking about it and the guys are talking. He goes and one of them turns, goes, oh, you guys are going to work the leg. We'll do something different then because you don't want to have the same thing over and over. Right. But, you know, it's their second DDT finish. I don't know why he did that, too, because like he tended to favor the superplex. I don't know. It. It was a good DDT, but I don't know, man. I just wish it meant something different. That's all. <laughs> we got real quiet there. Well, I was looking, I was looking at some of his finishing moves. Okay, and it, I mean, he did a really good job. They they had some fun talking about him being a, um, you know, being a, a shyster or, or a salesman, a scam artist, a con man. I'll get the right words out eventually. Like that, that the was hustler. fun. Yeah. The hustler. That's, that was the term they used a lot. And that, that's fun. Like they're getting the character over that sort of stuff. I, I really appreciated that. And then Rogers is doing a lot of work. Um, I think Rip Rogers is the, the guy that started Ohio Valley wrestling too, isn't he? He was in it early. I think, I think that's Danny he, Davis's thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty sure, pretty sure that Danny Davis actually started it, but Rip, did he was one of the trainers there okay and he's he's i mean the guy was is a good worker and he like he knew what he was doing like it's not a it's not a mistake that uh pack mcafee was you know as decent as he was yeah because rip is actually a good trainer i was trying to look up who who rip may have trained i'm not really they, they, that. there's quite a few of them in AEW right now cause, um, <laughs> oh one of them was okay, just I'm... on there yeah I feel like that's the case, but I forget who exactly. I'm I'm looking at one thing that's claiming he had a hand in training, like Brock, John Cena, and Shelton Benjamin. But I think that's only because like he was they were all in Ohio Valley at the time. But there's somebody he trained recently. I felt that that made it on there on like, like AEW. Like, I think no, he was in, because like, he got an entrance wrestling. and like he was kind of like doing like he was kind of like paying homage <laughs> to him. On a dark. Yeah. I'm looking for yeah. him. Um, can I go back to a second to the, the Chris Walker match? Yeah. There was something that I forgot to mention a minute ago that was actually like a weird – it's like a weird bit of commentary, but I actually kind of liked it. It had mm-hmm. it had nothing really much to do with the match, although there was uh, – wasn't there a spot where – was maybe Doug Summers or somebody like tried to send – Conan Chris Walker into the uh, the ring post. There wasn't there like some sort of ring post spot. Yes, I forget there exactly. Was. I forget, I I watched this like the other, like last night, so I, yeah, I'm forgetting some of the details. But there was some sort of ring post spot. Mm-hmm. You're right, there was, and it didn't really it didn't really factor into like the finish or anything like that. But Scott Hudson told this story, which it's like it's a weird story in retrospect, but I liked it because it kind of was he was trying to like emphasize the importance of how a ring post spot could actually be really dangerous mm-hmm. he told this story about how like he was just like around the ring uh a few days prior 
and was walking and had tripped and like I guess you know, knocked himself into the ring post just casually. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, like my arm was bruised up for days from that. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's a weird like story to tell, but I actually liked it because it was kind of effective in being like, no, anyone who gets sent to the ring post that can be devastating. Like that could definitely right. like bang you up. Yeah, uh, that was. He's, yeah, he was just relating like, oh, I just tripped and I got banged up. Like for some, so it 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 does like do the job of being like, well, if someone were to intentionally throw their opponent into the ring post, it potentially could be very very damaging. And yeah. it's a weird story, but I liked it. It's like, it's a little, it's a, it's an odd little detail to be throwing into the commentary. This like nothing match, but I think it did. It was effective. I thought it sold mm-hmm. the story really, the story really well. And I kind of, I kind of liked that they threw this in there because I mean, it, they, they, this promotion was like just starting off. It was trying to differentiate, differentiate themselves. Yeah, uh, and it's little things like that I kind of liked. Um, it, you're right because Hudson did that on. Uh, he he did something on an, on another show where he referenced like that they were down at the ring and talking mm-hmm. about it's like how solid it is. Which incidentally they did on AEW during the Grand Slam week too. Like Shivani and Jr. were talking about like no, we were down there uh, at the ring talking like earlier today and how solid it is or something like that. So it's it's kind of a kind of a little aside of a mundane story, but still selling how dangerous that is. I gotta say, I appreciate that. That's yeah, you know, that's putting some work into to make that uh, to make that good. I like that. I'm not finding a okay a list of wrestlers because you know, right? No one keeps good lists anymore. <laughs> Uh, one thing I did find is supposedly uh, he helped train Pillman Jr. I just like saw that. Storm oh, okay. and Rip Rogers did. Um, but yeah, it, I think Rogers either was or is the head trainer for Ohio Valley, so it would make sense about some of the guys that we mentioned. Chris Masters, he trained. Uh, that's a long pause there. Um. <laughs> The uh, so anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us over to the interview with Axel Rotten. It's not in his fake in, British inter his Brit, fake British accent. Yeah, which he's doing, and it's just like I don't know. It it was not. Um, he's doing like a British punk gimmick, I guess, but it's not. He's like doing a gimmick hitting. at this point that's probably seven years out of date. Mm-hmm. Would that be fair, Matt? Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, his name, Axel Rodden, he's supposed to be like a punk guy. It, it was supposed to be a combination, for those who don't know, of Axel Rose, who was, you know, obviously American, like hair metal, heavy metal. and But it was also supposed to be with Rotten, like uh, Ian Rotten. Johnny, no, Johnny, sorry, Johnny, Johnny Rotten. Yeah. Sorry. Johnny Rotten. Um, this is a Sex yeah. Pistols, right? Yeah. Sex Pistols, yes. Um, so it's supposed to be like a catch of that. And I think they're trying to like play off the whole, um, uh, Johnny Rodden association by having him be from, from like new, I think it's in Newcastle, England, which apparently is like, I think it's supposed to be like a real, let me actually look and see where that's located. It's supposed to be more like, I think like, it's not, I'm trying to see, is it, is it, it's not like the equivalent of like white trash because i mean it's not the same thing in britain but it's no they have um, they have white trash in britain our friend um well, our friend hey, um mm-hmm. our friend um gervais t- has talked about like like yeah Charles. Could, remember remember we were talking about something he's like oh yeah that's like the jersey shore for britain now oh i see <laughs> there's there is really like white trash in every every country on the planet it's just even the people who are not white like yeah it's to say, just like a, a kind of a rougher, almost like a lower class of people. Well, I was trying to th- think of where Black Sabbath was because they were kind of lower class boys, but they were from Birmingham. Mm. Mm. Let me look this up because I was actually I researched this actually after this um after watching because <laughs> this is like very early like Axel like the, I don't know how how long he was actually in the business. When yeah. he'd done this, but he he must have been pretty young. Uh, but he 
I looked this up and I look, look. Oh yeah, okay. So the person who was commenting on this was like, I don't know why he like he like Newcastle like Newcastle. That's like a really specific area to be saying you're from. Um, maybe like you're saying like, oh, I'm from the Jersey Shore. It's like something like that. But I guess an actual real life current day wrestler who's from there, yeah, is is Pack. Yeah, and this person was saying like, oh, Pack is like a, a perfect representation of what a, a Newcastle person is. I don't know what that means. I don't know enough about <laughs> Pack like, British and, culture. To, Pack and uh, what Axel were doing here are nothing alike. Oh no, not not remotely, not not at all. Yeah, but he cuts this promo about supposedly the Commonwealth title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we never see it supposedly it's there it's it's global giving the impression that they really do have a global reach but it's like um could have at least given him a belt yeah if you're gonna say he's the commonwealth champion could could you hand him something please Mm -hmm. just just let me buy the illusion for i don't care what belt it is slap slap a sticker on it like lance storm did with those wcw titles just please give me something and then the show ends with a recap like they're like, oh, here's what happened tonight, and I'm like, that's how you guys are gonna end? Yeah, it really. So this episode, I thought the in-ring action was decent, even though they were job matches, <laughs> which bugged me. But like, they they really, if this if I was watching this and this was day two, I think I'd be kind of turned off by the recaps. Yeah. Uh, this this did not hold my attention. Yeah, I, no. I, they're they're doing all, and I'm just like I'm paying attention because what Rip Rogers was doing was fun, and you know I'm Terry we're Garvin doing this fun. Yeah, Muck and Singh had you know, you know he had good monster offense, but just either either the opponents were just so bland, or the matches went on too long, and, or they sucked. And, like, and why was wasn't like, Patriot on the show? Like, there was a lot of questions I had. Yeah, and this this was just not a good episode. No, this, it, is, not, this is not how you do it. This is not how your brand new promotion does a second episode. No. And, and you know, why do you have some of these guys in the TV title tournament? I don't know, but here we are. Well, it's such a, it's such a dichotomy to the first episode where I felt like... Even the lower card guys that were there, like Sweet Daddy Falcone, I still felt like weren't jobbers. Yeah, they had some character to them. So if you're going to have a a title tournament, assuming it's either you have to qualify to get into it or you have to be invited, and why would you invite – it's like why would you put you know dry white toast on the table at Thanksgiving? You wouldn't. And so why is Zebra Kid in here? Because they need to fill a space. Yeah. Be, they they have too many matches in this tournament, I guess is what I'm eventually trying to drive No, because at. this is – so the, the, the insane thing is this is – this tournament is seven episodes, and they do four tournaments to start <laughs> with, which is just – like, I, I appreciate that they're actually trying to, like, give their titles legitimacy, but it's it's way overkill. Even for a daily promotion, because you're talking about you're talking about like probably two months of just straight tournaments, which I think is hard for even like if I was a kid, I think I would have trouble with that after a while. Yeah, because you Look, want like I your because your promotion's got it. Your promotion's got to like you got to move eventually. Like you got to start getting into angles. You got to start doing rivalries and um, tournaments really hinder that, especially over a long drawn out period. I, I like tournaments, but it's because tournaments give you an opportunity to do a bunch of stuff at once. It gives you an opportunity to build pe- people up in different ways. It gives you an opportunity to you know, put someone new in a title picture, and it gives you an opportunity to break off feuds. You know, the, This guy lost here, so he costs the guy that beat him later on, so you have this feud that you can do later. And that's great, but it, this just... 
just keeps going and to put three of them back to back to back like that, especially since GWF has been acting like they've been around for a long time. It's like, um, guys, this is not really like fitting together. Yeah, you don't have you have the depth of a brand new promotion and you're acting like you're um, an existing promotion. Yeah. And you're booking like you're a brand new promotion, too. So, yeah. Oh, <sighs> so this is not as good as the, the other episodes we've done. This is the worst right. episode we've done. <clears throat> Yeah. And I actually found I know we're coming back next week to do it. We double recorded, folks. I actually thought episode three was a vast improvement over this. It was. I, this show. I would agree. I think the matches, um, well, most of the matches, and then the star power, everything was better. And they yeah. didn't recap us into hell and back to either. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's true. So, and I saw, right, well, um, I want to talk about it because I did watch the commercials on this because I, I did YouTube on the TV, but there was some like Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor movie that they were advertising. I'm like, wow, that must have been really bad for like that to be lost in the annals of history. I, I didn't really remember that film, but I did see that, that commercial for it. And it, I, I feel like I vaguely recall that they were still making boobies like in the late 80s or in the 90s. Uh, Richard Pryor probably got like too sick to do stuff after that, right? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think Gene I'll Wilder was you. I think Gene Wilder was slowing down on movies by that point too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I skipped the commercials cuz I just unless uh I skipped them unless it's like I'm getting something to drink or something like that and it's like I come back and I'm like, we're the best insurance firm in Michigan. And I'm like, oh, God. I um, I only watched them because I did it on my Roku box so I could watch them on the TV. And it's a okay. little harder. Like, you don't have, like, it's a little harder to get through the commercials, so it was just easier to watch them. And it is it is fun to watch the commercials sometimes. Like, that's what I like when you get, like, um, All Japan TV from the 80s and they left, like, the commercials on. And you get, like, um, you get john travolta hawking some um some like japanese like soft drink in like his saturday night fever character how close are we getting to john lithgow telling us about 10 10 3 2 1 fairly close all right well, you know what's I actually funny is um I like old time yeah. radio and I, he was just on the CBS radio mystery theater, like in like maybe 80, 81. I heard him on a show. Oh, really? Yeah. Fred Gwynn does a lot of those too. Okay. Well, I think we've kind of run out of steam on this particular one. So oh, we're going to um, be back. In the... Well, no, no, no. We have to hold on because he'll be mad if we oh. don't mention it. But um, oh. Justin, here is your obligatory, contractually <laughs> obligated shout out for the week. Ding. Ring the bell. <laughs> you have to wait to the end of the episode to get it, Justin. <laughs> In a, it's funny, like he like com- he was like, you called me out on how many times I like, and like I'm not, and I didn't, I did it lovingly. I'm like, you like to hear a shout out. I'm happy to provide it. <laughs> I don't know if, like, Canada had access to the GWF, so I didn't know how to, like, work him in here. Well. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny no matter what. Yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for being with us um, for this episode. We'd love to hear from you on social media. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>